Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. Good morning, everyone. I hope you've been enjoying your fika, and uh, we're still enjoying your fika. Uh, and um, yeah, as Justin said, my name is Kalle, for those who don't know me. Um, and we're talking about faith heroes. The question I was asked to talk about was, who has helped me run my race and live by faith? That's the question. Now, that's a difficult question because there's so many he- faith heroes. Uh, faith heroes here in church, faith heroes in my life, and my parents, faith heroes in, in the Bible. Um, but just due to time, I'll focus on one. Don't worry, I, I won't drag this along. Uh, and the one I'm going to focus on is Noah. Why Noah? Okay, so we could say that Noah is someone I identify a bit with. Uh, Noah comes from a long line of believers, a family of believers. The Bible even says that Enoch, his great-grandfather, walked so faithfully with God that God took him away and he didn't even experience death. So that's a believer, I think. Uh, That's someone we could model. And so Noah then, at one point in his life, He received a word from God. God revealed himself to Noah and said, hey, Noah, this is what I want you to do. And what he asked him to do was something that most would consider super foolish. Foolish, stupid, why do you do that, Noah? And my whole life, I was taught that he was mocked for this. And I say that I was taught because it actually doesn't say it specifically in the Bible that Noah was mocked. Uh, I was always taught this, and I was surprised when I read it again. It's like, it's not there. But... um, So it seems like we've been reading a bit between the lines. Uh, We're not the first to do so, though. There are some old, ancient Jewish texts and commentaries where they also imagine or describe Noah as preaching to those around him, saying, hey, repent. And they would mock him while he was planting and cutting down the trees for the ark, according to uh, these Jewish texts. And so knowing how we humans are, and how we behave, I think it's pretty safe to say that he was probably mocked for what he was doing. And so what does that have to do with me? I also come from a long line of believers. My great-grandfather was a pastor up in Cuevda. His wife was an evangelist before they met. It says so in the public records. That was her full-time job, evangelist. Um, Her parents, uh, they were part of the Salvation Army, And he, my great-great-grandfather, he was actually nicknamed the Savior. Why? Because he couldn't shut up. He couldn't stop talking about Jesus while he was working in the coal mines. He worked in the coal mines up north, and he just couldn't stop talking about Jesus. So he said, the Savior. That's what they called him. On the other side, my other great-grandfather, or we would say his brother, my great-grand-uncle, I would imagine, he was a missionary in Congo. So this, I don't feel this makes me extra special in any way. It just means that God was a very big deal in our family. It's always been, he's been supernatural, a natural part of our family. And this was in strong contrast to everyone around me. So especially when we moved down to Spain uh, for high school and then to Colombia for university, teachers, students, everyone would mock my faith. And it felt so strange because it was so natural to me but so unnatural to everyone else. And so it felt nice to have someone like Noah that I could read about and feel encouraged that I wasn't the only one 
who went through that kind of stuff. And then there's the flood. So this is another part of Noah's life. And I think this is something we can put up on the screen. I'll read it directly from Genesis 7, 11 to 12. And it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened, and rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And so this is not your regular rain that we get here in Sweden. <laughs> this is a lot of rain. Even, I guess, some uh, from other countries have lived a, a bit more of floods. In Colombia, we get more rain. And in Colombia, sometimes they even close the roads because the rain is so hard that it can get the rocks from the mountains to uh, uh, yeah, uh, come down on the roads and kill people. And so this is even worse than that. Imagine just dark, rain, destruction, death. Just killing everyone around you. And even though we haven't seen probably any floods of this magnitude physically, I can imagine that we've still, many of us, have had similar moments in our lives where maybe a phone call, maybe a text message, maybe something that happened in person that just feels like the world comes crashing down and everything just gets destroyed. It happened to me, it happened to us, May 21st, 2021, around 3 p.m. I remember I was working, I was sitting by my computer. We were living in Colombia. I received a call. I didn't recognize the number, I answered, and on the other side, the other person said, hi, my name is Dr. X, I don't remember his last name, but my fa your father gave me your number, and I'm calling to talk to you about your mother. If you want to add someone into this call, this is the time to do so. No emotion in his voice. I was super confused. I didn't know what was happening. I had a thousand questions in my head, and at the same time, it was completely empty. I can't describe. Nati had to snap me out of it, and you have to understand, just to give you a bit of context, a few days earlier, we had tested positive for COVID, Nati, me, and my parents, uh, but we were fine. And I talked to my mom the day before. She was completely fine. So, so I told him, no, uh, there's no one. Uh, please go on. And he said, you have to understand your mother is currently intubated. We've sedated her. Her state is so critical that only one-third of the patients in her state survive. And out of, out of the other two-thirds, those who die, is usually because heart failure, lung failure, bacterial infection. One of those three are the main causes, he was telling me, at least there in Colombia. And for me, it was as if, as if the floodgates of heaven just opened. I started shaking. I couldn't control myself. I hanged up the phone afterwards and... I didn't even know what to say, what to do. I just said to Nati, I want to go to my dad right now. Let's, let's go right now. That whole weekend was awful and very much happened. A lot happened during these days. I'm just going to go straight for the most important details due to time. And so let's skip forward two days. I was sitting in another hospital because, uh, to make it worse, the doctor also said, we don't have any ICUs. So your mom needs treatment. 
one-third survival rates, and we have no way to treat her. So we hooked her up to a surgical room in the meantime. Two days later, we were, I was sitting in another hospital. I was in the waiting room. They, we had finally found a way to get her transferred. And I was sitting there alone, and I cried out to God. And I said, God. And I looked back, and I said, there's so many versions of this prayer I could have prayed. I say, don't take her away from me. I could have said, God, don't leave my dad alone. My dad needs her. He, he's a Swede living, living in Colombia. He doesn't have a lot of friends. He needs my mother. I didn't pray any of that or any other version. What I did was I said, God, if this is the moment for her to go home, I'm super thankful. I've enjoyed her. She's the best mother I could have wished for. And I'm super thankful for her life. If there's only one desire I have left is I wish that my children, which I didn't have any children yet, could enjoy her just as I did. I want them to enjoy my mother. And so I finished the prayer, and I took out my phone to look at the watch time, if there are any messages, and I suddenly saw a message from one of my mom's oldest friends. She said, she knew what had happened, and she said, I asked God for a word for your mother. Um, and he spoke to me through Psalms 127 to 129, and then she quoted Psalm 128.6, which I would like to have here. And I'll let you read it. And if that was not enough, she went on to say, Thank you, Father, because my friend will live to see the children of her children. Peace be on Magnolia. That's my mother. And so this became our promise, and this promise gave us supernatural faith. Because it was too specific to be random chance, to be coincidence. It was immediate, and it was exactly what I needed. And so for over a month, and I haven't done the math, but I would almost say the 40 days and 40 nights of the flood, for over a month, we would drive with Nati every single morning to the hospital to get an update. And every single day, we would drive back discouraged because the doctor said, she's the same or she's worse? Same, worse. But every single time, it would reignite our hope and start declaring the promise again and said, tomorrow, tomorrow is the day we're going to see this happen. And... Now, to make it even worse, we didn't even have to just wait for the promise. Our faith was attacked over and over again. I mentioned just a moment ago three main causes for death. So the one-third, they would survive because they didn't have any of these other things. During the time my, my mother was in the hospital, she had heart failure. Her heart started failing. She had bradycardia. Her heart started beating too slowly. She developed pulmonary, pulmonary fibrosis. It showed up in the scans. Her lung had collapsed. It was hard, getting hard. It, it loses its flexibility. It's dying. And she had two bacterial infections. The second time was precisely after, a few days after we had our first breakthrough. We were happy. We're saying, now we're coming out of this. And one night, I just had a super strange dream. I can still, still remember that dream two years later. It was a WhatsApp message from someone that I can only describe as evil. And the message said, she is dead. And I woke up and I was like, this is so, so strange. She's getting better. I have the promise. That's nothing. And then I started driving to a hospital to switch with my dad. And he called me before time. And he couldn't speak. I was like, dad, what's happening? And he couldn't, he couldn't get anything out. And he said, the doctor told me that we're losing her. 
what? It turns out that they had done so, they were feeding her through the stomach and it was wrongly installed and they were basically pumping it into her abdomen and that generated a bacterial infection. Only that could have killed her. With everything else, it was just impossible. But we said, we stay with the promise, and God reminded us, Holy Spirit reminded us in that moment of Jesus' words to Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe, and she will be healed. How did the story end? Well, two years ago, December 2021, she actually came to this church, the Lund service, C3, a couple, of, a, couple of, yeah, a couple of weeks ago, she was here again. And those who have seen her, I'm saying this because there are people in this church, not only us, that have seen her. You can testify that she doesn't need oxygen. They told us 100% she would need oxygen if there was by some miracle that she survived. Her health is better than it was before COVID. Better. She walks up and down the mountains in Colombia. She runs. She does everything that she couldn't do before COVID. And so May 31st this year, almost two years to the day, just a week difference from when we got that promise, she got to meet her grandchild for the first time in person. And this promise was fulfilled. So God already knew that that would happen back when my mother got sick. He gave us a promise that allowed us to take part of that future joy in the middle of the storm. And then just like God told Noah after the flood that he would leave the rainbow as a sign of his covenant, we now have right there a living sign that God fulfills his promises. That's our Noah. And yeah, that was my testimony, I think. <laughs> yeah, I just... Yeah, we have a couple of questions, and so... Yeah, so we have some time right now because there's so... I have a two-hour version of this story. There's so much you don't know. So if your mind is blown away with this, there's so much other stuff. And so what I want us to talk about right now, what we want you to talk about in, in, in your tables is, first of all, have you experienced God speaking to you? How did you know it was him? And the second question is, have you experienced God fulfilling a promise in your life? What role did your faith play in this fulfillment? So I'll leave you at that and yeah. <laughs>